Oh, you're right. So I was like, I feel like that we've gone a long time. Just me too, but Family of the Paradise. And I went and looked, and I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is great. I actually have like stuff I can contribute <laughs> other than just being like, I love everything about this. All right, we're gonna go watch this movie. You should too. We'll be back after the break. It all began in this little shop. Oh, damn roses. Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happens. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. No, it's not this one. What kind of a weirdo plant is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plant? Girl. Get out and make a nice voice when you live on Skid Row, Mr. Mushnick. Seymour, this is my date, my boyfriend. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. You'll be a You have a talent for causing pain. Hey! Stop me a People will pay you to be in I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. Feed me Seymour. And a plant. Feed me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! Catch me now! I'm just a mean green mother from outer space and I'm playing. I'm just a mean green mother from outer space and it looks like you been hanged. Yes! Rick Moranis. Man's a total disgrace to the dental profession. Ellen Green. Excuse me. Excuse me what? That's better. Vincent Gardenia, with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. Well, we're back. We're back. Excellent. So, whatever they offer you guys, no, don't, don't, feed don't, feed the the don't feed the plants. Don't feed the plants. So, we should be clear, we watched the... The director's, the director's cut. cut. Yes. yes. Not the theatrical cut, so and bear what, that in mind. What's the difference? Well, the, the director's cut was should have been the theatrical, I mean, at least originally. It was uh, filmed first, and it was filmed to be more similar to the... Uh, the original production, uh, but did not test very well. Uh, oh, <laughs> people, that's a big. They said not that they like Ellen Green dying, or I mean, either of the main characters yeah. really. And uh, they're supposed to get like they needed fifty-five percent recommend like referral or uh, when, approval. When you go to do a test screening, it's got to have fifty-five percent positive audience response. And they got. Thirteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People were not happy. At no, least at the very end. I have end. to wonder, like... No, like, I read the same thing you did. Like, people were into it, applauding after every number. Up until Audrey dies. And then Audrey died, and then, like, it was a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Like, just... Done. No. So I guess, to be first, we should explain what the differences are in the two, in case you watched one and not the other. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the main difference is that the theatrical one is a nice happy ending, mostly. I guess they leave it up to, like, 
up to discretion at the end where there's a little Audrey 2 and like as they pan out they go to their yeah so they have she, happy Audrey ending, doesn't like, die they end up destroying the plant and they run away to, or they end up together in there somewhere that's greenhouse and then and then as it pans out there's a little Audrey 2 like in the garden yeah. With a sort of da da da. Yeah. yeah. Uh oh, it's not over. Oh. It's drastically different. Yeah. They get their fence of real chain link. Yes, I love that line. And, it's so good. And then, of course, the director's cut, the original intention, which is the same ending as the stage show, right. which is why that is what Frank Oz wanted to do. And also David Geffen, the producer. Yeah. Um, because and Warner Brothers was like, well, I guess, like, you guys want it so bad, go for it. And then. And, well, it is. What's wildly popular right now, like, that's the reason we're doing this movie, is everybody loves this show, and that's how the show ends, so, sure, that should work. No, it yeah. does not, <laughs> not, as so a matter of fact. So they had to go back and reshoot it and make it a happy ending, and then yeah. it did It did make money in when it opened, but it was considered an underperformer. Yeah, which, I mean, um, surprised, I mean, I guess yeah, it didn't, it found, like, blow out its, its, you know... Well, but, I mean, it was an off-Broadway show to yeah. begin with, like, it was... It was never your... Well, I'm not going to say never, because weirder things have happened, but it definitely found its audience on video. For oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, underperformer in the sense that it was budgeted at, like, $25 million and made 40 I want us to pause. Jazz hands! So, what we were talking about... <laughs> we're back. This was the box office. Was the box office, and it made how much? Yeah, well, so I think it said that it was, like, $25 million it, it budget... But it made like forty million box Some office, it, yeah. which, I mean, yeah, it didn't like blow it out of the water. But they considered it to be an underperformer and were like, I guess, very unhappy with the outcome. That's still, I mean, that's not an ideal. No, it's like. definitely not. But I mean, it did make its money back. Right, it made its money back, and like you said, I mean, it's an off Broadway like. It's, it was kind of a niche thing. Scooch in. What you doing back there? I don't know. I'm loud. So, <laughs> um, we've been talking, but we haven't talked to yeah. our guest yet. Yeah. I'm the guest. So, <laughs> Caitlin, you got to watch a little Shop of Horrors for the first time. Yes, I did. Uh, I loved it. I was really... Uh, it was just... I, I feel like I've never heard anything about this movie. Like, I did not know a lot of the stuff that happened. Um, so I know for sure I've never seen this movie before. <laughs> it's not like I've just seen it many years ago and forgot. Um, but man, I loved it. I, I love that it really looked like a stage production, like the street scenes um, or scenes uh, really looked like a stage. And the music's great and the costumes are so good. And everybody's so good. Rick Moranis is so adorable. And I love it. He's so cute. I want to put him in my pocket. He's just a little nugget. Well, and the set was intentional for the most part. Like, it was all filmed in one place, and they wanted it to be, like, not real. Like, it was like it was on, like, the Albert Broccoli 007 set. Yeah, at the Pinewood Studios. Yeah. 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 And so, like, they built it and intentionally wanted it to feel a little more, like... Well, it looks like some sort of fucked-up Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely does. And then the, when they built the big, huge, like, cavernous set for Suddenly Seymour, because it's such a giant set, they couldn't heat it. And so the the breath of Rick yeah. Moranis and Alan Green was like condensing because it was so cold. But they had to have them like 
put ice in their mouths. That's the set where she she stumbles immediately to the corner. Yes. <laughs> the most dramatic pose ever. She has a few poses. That yeah, one's the best one. one but like, there's another one later on where she's like on the ground and she's just like, oh. Yeah. I have feelings. Yeah. I mean, you knew more about it going in than I expected you to, saying you had never seen it. You had suddenly seen more and yeah, just some of like the bigger kind names. Of the, so. the pop culture. And you probably knew like the feed maybe. Yeah, 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 I heard that before. Um, I just didn't know any of the, anything about the story. And now knowing that like the ending is not what the theatrical ending was. Is different, so that makes sense. It's like I feel like somebody would have been like, yeah. "Oh yeah, everybody dies." Well, like literally, the whole world is gonna. Well, die. and one of the <laughs> things it's uh, so it's based on well, the original was a 1960 movie, a uh, Roger Corman movie. Yeah, uh, it was actually Jack Nicholson's first role. The Bill Murray character in this is. Had his yeah, different yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. But like, that, and let's he was be like clear, like that's what it gets. Like Jack Nicholson's in it. Yeah, in a tiny, tiny little. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What I was yeah like the, all of the the marketing for it now, like it has Jack Jack Nicholson Nicholson on the name cover is, and his name and um, big. He's print. in it for like. He's Bill, he's Bill Murray's like, character it's like in the sixties version. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's exactly. So, so anyway, it was a sixties movie. They adapted it for the stage. It was an off Broadway. Uh, then they adapted that into the movie, and then it was revived uh, in 03 or yeah, 04. Like um, again, but anyway, whole point Funnily is. Funnily enough, it had to be a revival, even though it had never been on Broadway. Right. <laughs> like, there was just some weird rules because it had always been off Broadway, and when they went to put it on Broadway, they were they were like, no, it's got to be a revival. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, the whole reason I brought up the the history though is it's a Roger Corman movie, so it's cheap and shitty and like uh, weird and like just all of these Roger Cormany things. And I think this movie captures that so well. Oh yeah. And I think especially the ending, like the director's cut ending. That's where I kind of think maybe people get lost is that they don't get that connect because that's a very Roger Corbin type ending. Oh yeah, that's a very sixties disaster film. Exactly. But like that it's a perfect said, throwback to that. I kind of love the theatrical ending because I love the everything's fine. Do 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 right. <laughs> like because there's a little plant, because that's also very sixties and I, I love those sorts of you think everything's all right, but it's really not. Oh, it's still gonna be shitty. I I like those kinds of endings because I don't know, they appeal to the cynical side of me of like you thought you were yeah. getting a happy right. ending. Happy ending no. But it's still it's shit. Good. I just I'll, I'll have vote for different reasons and I, I the director's cut is more fun to me just because of how bonkers it is. Like <laughs> because it's really I mean we all like I was writing a note about this as Wendy said it that like it's pretty much just Frank Oz fucking around for like ten minutes like well about five minutes at the like, end. He got the He's just like I'm gonna play with these puppets and blow shit how up. How many times can I have a giant plant buster before? Yeah, yeah. Let's count. Yeah. Like yeah. I almost want to go back and be like ding. Yeah, like, because like Frank, like Warner Brothers gave them the biggest budget I think they ever had yes. at that point, and it's like to make this. And he was like, "Well, fuck yeah, I'm gonna do crazy shit with <laughs> giant plant it. puppets." I so. love it when the train just goes right, right into the plant. Yeah. That's always just gonna make me. And the other two are in the background, just like He's laughing. Like, yeah. They're like, "Good one, bro." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the stage version. So the stage version, the uh, plant takes over the theater, um, and then. 
all of the principal cast's like faces are in the buds of the uh, plant. So they yes. come out as here. All the all the everybody who's died comes out as a plant and sings and dances. Yeah. Don't feed the plant. Yeah. Yeah, and then all these tendrils drop from the ceiling. So like it's gonna get you. Yeah. Right. Zach Scott used to do it pretty regularly. I don't know if they have recently. And but... don't feed the plant is like the curtain call number. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because everybody's singing and dancing while they come out. It's so super fun. It's such a great, great number, too. But Mean Green Mother from Outer Space was written for the movie. Yeah. Have they inserted it into the revival? I don't, I, I don't I, know. I, don't I didn't know it was written it. for... I, I don't remember. Yeah, that, it one, was, that was the one that was written for the for, film. Because that's that was one not that was, in the original. I think it was up for the Oscar. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the first... First music, like first song nominated for an Oscar that had profanity in it. Yes, because he says shit. And I love the way he says it too. Because yeah. he just, you could tell he's rambling. Yeah. He's like, that don't mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. did not you. win. I think it, it was nominated for that and for something else. Um, I, didn't, I didn't notice them. Best visual effects and best original song. It did not win either. Oh, which is, like, I wonder who won which is a fucking bullshit. So yeah, it should. And then it was also it was also nominated for two Golden Globes. Hmm. Uh, didn't win either of those, but it was like best original uh, comedy musical and best motion picture comedy or musical, and then best original score. But it did not win. I mean, they lost the score to like Ennio Morricone. Yeah, and like yeah. Fair. Like, I mean, I, okay, I guess if you say so. <laughs> uh, I think it's bullshit. Uh, Ah, so everybody's like looking at their notes. Yeah. So, um, oh, <laughs> hey, we should give a brief synopsis. I was just thinking we didn't do two, an actual. For two people in the world who might not know, uh, let's see. Uh, they all are poor, living on Skid Row. It's Mushnick owns a flower shop, <laughs> and he's got Seymour who lives in his basement, and he treats him like shit. And then there's Audrey. Comes who lives across the street. Yeah, lives across the street. She's marrying him. She's dating a man who keeps beating her up because she keeps showing up with black eyes and shit. And they're, the business is not going well. And then uh, Seymour's like, well, I found this weird plant. Maybe if we put it in the window, people will think it's interesting and come in. And the, literally, it's really, yeah. yeah, it's played. Christopher Guest is great. Yeah. And they put it in the window and like, oh, my gosh, that plant is so amazing. I want to buy lots of flowers. He's and, so ridiculous in that scene. He's just twice as many. He's just like... Chewing scenery, he's just eating a big ham sandwich. Yeah, like it's great. Like um, and so, like, oh, the plant is clearly magical and like our good luck token. But the plant is like, oh no, I'm wilting. And Mushnik's like, you better fix the plant. We need the plant. And Seymour's like, what do I gotta do? And then Seymour cuts himself, and the plant's like, oh, hey, buddy, 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 buddy. And Seymour starts giving the plant blood because that's all it will take. What do you want for me, blood? Yes. Yes, I do. Which at that point you should be like, okay, and I have a cat. I'm going to say this. I have a cat. Go get a cat yeah. or a dog. He never tries animals. Right? Like he just immediately is like, well, I guess I'll give you a man. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. I thought you meant instead of a plant, I have a cat or a dog. And I was like, I guess? Like, plant in the trash can, buy it, get a dog. Like, maybe I mean, should open plant. up an animal shelter instead yeah. of a plant store. You're really bad at plants. I'm sure there's no. a lot of rats in the street. You see rats, like, squirrels, opossums are terrifying. Right? Raccoon. They are opossums. Are, no, trash pandas are adorable. No, I mean, no. I think all of these animals are cute. I don't want any of them to die. But, but better. But so, I, well, then see 
before even asked, does it have to be? Does it have to be human? Does it have to be mine? He never gets the answer. Does yeah. it have to be human? Like I would be like hard. He just, says, like, he just says like need blood, like fresh. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, he doesn't specify human. Yeah, like get him a cow. So that's on yeah. Seymour then. Seymour is. Let's be honest. He wants. Seymour's not bright. Like we like him. But Seymour's actually not. He's pretty. I don't know. He's an idiot. He's not a good person. Both no, Seymour, he's absolutely not. Seymour and Audrey are dumb, and they're in predicaments that is partially because they're not. They're they're doing it to themselves. Right. Like I don't want to victim blame a woman who's in an abusive relationship. Well, but I mean, it's separate. I mean, I'm, That's I know, a I know what you're saying. Separate. It's separate. But it like, might be slightly related, but that's not the issue. Like, and, but then when the plant's like, "Hey, why don't you kill somebody for me?" and Seymour's like, nah, "I don't know," I'm, it feels like it might I'm be wrong. Kind of conflicted. Okay. Like, dude, like that should be <laughs> like hard stop. So anyway, the plant eventually gets big enough that, and like things are going well, the plant eventually gets big enough it can talk, and it's like you need to actually kill somebody. So, and I'll give you, I'll give you thing, everything you want. And then Seymour does. He kills Audrey's boyfriend, the dentist, and then Mushnik finds him. He doesn't actually him. kill him, though. No, yeah. he just chops him up. He just lets him die. He, yeah, he watches him die without helping, so... <laughs> like, he kind of deserved it, though. Oh, yeah, like, and that is like, a little he's bit... he's not a good friend. Like, I'm kind of on board with the idea of, like, what if we just had one plant, or maybe a dozen, and they were just sort of our clearinghouse for bad people? Right. I'd be fine with that. Like, There's you don't a few need... people I could think of. Like, <laughs> did you want to sit on death row for 20 years, or if we could just feed you to the plant? A lot of folks deserve to die. A lot of folks deserve to die. Um, so, uh, and then Mushnik sees him chopping up the body, and then... Mushnik's like trying to blackmail him into giving him the plant, and then Mushnik gets eaten by the plant. And like, let's pause for a second. I gotta call out when see so the dentist dies in his office, and he's got to get the dentist back to Skid Row. And then the next thing you see is him literally pulling a body wrapped in a sheet down the stairs from the train. And you're like, wait, <laughs> did he just ride the subway? <laughs> With a corpse? I mean, but the vision that they show you of that skid row, no one would care. Well, and also, I mean, New York in the 60s? Pfft, no. no. It also fine. looked barren. Like, there were no other people around yeah. at any point. It, well, except in that bomb. scene. In that scene. In that scene. Like, there's no one else around, so. Um, and like right, though. You absolutely just drag that corpse on oh, the yeah. train and just... Like, ride with it. Like, no fucks. Yeah. It's fine. He's sleeping. Yeah. He's sleeping. <laughs> Oh, no, it's home. not a human. It's, yeah. a, it's a bear. <laughs> I found it in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Oh, so, uh, once the dentist is out of the way, Seymour and Audrey get together, and then, like, it gets to be too much, and then Seymour's like, I can't, and the plant's like, you got to kill somebody new, and he's like, I don't want to, and he's like, Audrey, let's run away together and get married and never come back, and... And she's like, okay. And then the plant's like, you got to feed me. And he's like, I'll run and get you some hamburger. And the plant's like, sure, that'll be fine. Sure, you go do that. <laughs> and when he leaves, it calls up Audrey to come into, come on over and I love that scene give, give so me a drink of much. water. And it eats Audrey. That shot of the, the storefront. 
with, like when she looks over and sees that it's and a plan. And it's like waving at her. <laughs> it's like, it's me over here. It's such a good sight gag and it cracks me up every time. I like it when the plant checks for the, for for the, the, uh, the, the corner <laughs> on the phone. I'm like, that's comedy. Um, so it eats Audrey, but Seymour pulls her out and she's like, and in the, the-, in the director's cut, She's like, no, I want you to feed me to the plant because if I'm with the plant, then I'm helping you be successful and I'll be with you forever. Don't you see? I'll finally be somewhere in the screen. Raspberries! She's already, I mean, she's going to, she thinks she's going to die anyway. When I die, which will be very shortly. Yes. Which should be happening shortly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so then he, he does. He, like, feeds her to the plant and then he's like, I'm going to go kill myself. And he runs up, and then that's when a dude's like, hey, no, we want to market. Look, I took a cutting, and look, it's a tiny little Audrey Chew, and they can be in every every grocery store in America. And Seymour's like, what? I know what your evil plan is. And he goes down to confront the plan, and the plan's like, I'm a green, mean green mother from outer space, motherfucker. And then the plant eats Seymour and proceeds to take over the world in the director's cut. In the theatrical cut, the plant sings, I'm a mean green mother, motherfucker. And Seymour electrocutes the plant. And because Audrey, he pulled her out before she got completely chomped. And like she, gets, she gets in, into the mouth, but like before he actually chomps her. Like and he pulls out. her out and puts her basically in storage while he fights the plant. And then he electrifies the plant and destroys it. And it blows like, up. The plant like pulls the roof down like the same way, but instead of like breaking the building and escaping, it like pulls it down on itself after having been electrocuted. Well, but it also explodes. Right. Because there's a there's a whole yeah. bluey. Oh I think um, I've seen that. Yeah, and then he, they run yeah. off they run off into their track house somewhere that's green. Right. So that's the plot. There you go. Um, Vincent Gardenia plays Mushnik and he is doing all of the things that he typically does in roles, being extra Jewish. <laughs> Shouty. And shouty and talking in the third oh, person. Oh, God. Like, like, customers, customers, did you hear he forgot? It's, like, super cliche. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about Mushnik, one of the other, one of the big changes from the stage version is he adopts Seymour. That's, like, a major plot point. <laughs> yeah, like Mushnik and Son or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mushnik and Son is a song because he wants to make sure that Seymour won't leave him. That Seymour is going to be tied to him so and he can keep it being. Seymour still feeds his ass to, to Audrey. He's like nudging him back and the mouth is right over his shoulder, I mean, opening like, slowly. He just saw his opportunity. It, it was it was but also at the while Mushnik is saying, I'm gonna give you a ticket out of town and you're gonna leave, but you're gonna tell me how to take care of the plant first so that I can be rich and famous instead of you. Like, again, kind of an awful person is dying, which is why when you're watching the show, you don't mind. And, like, it's it's played for laughs that Seymour is kind of an idiot that says, yes, you know what I'll do? I'll feed blood to a plant. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) What is it weird? And now that the plant's as big as my torso and it still wants blood. It's probably fine. It's, no. Yeah. No, it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, yeah. So, uh, 
Had you ever seen Ellen Green in anything before? I mean, I've, you mentioned that she's in uh, Virginia Davies, yeah. which I have seen, but I don't remember her. The she two has, aunts. Yeah. yeah, she has the oh. she has black hair, and it's, it's like yeah, like chin length. I need to rewatch that. It's incredible, but um, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. She's, yeah, she's Lucy like, Kurtz is the one. With the eye patch. It's the eye patch, and she's mm-hmm. the other aunt. Yeah, and they're, they're both agoraphobic. And, and they're, hey. they're so great. Yeah. They're, they are very great. It's so funny, though, that this is primarily it for her career. Yeah. Like, she did Pushing Daisies. I think she did one other thing. And I know she was... Oh, well, she was in talk radio. Yeah, and yes. I think there was a couple other TV shows that she was recurring Like, on. well, Brian Fuller put her in... Like for one season of Hannibal, maybe that's what it was. Uh, she had like a couple of spots on. That. I know that like the, the last time I watched uh, Leon the Professional, I I recognized her as Natalie Portman's. Oh, mom. that's right. Yeah. Or that's right. Yes. That mom or whatever. Like small, at the very beginning, but I mean, you know, she's only in it for that first like that first ten yeah. minutes. Yeah, I mean, or whatever. it's not like she hasn't been working, but and for somebody talk the same way. Right. <laughs> for somebody who's got such an iconic she role. She doesn't have the Christian Bale tongue. <laughs> the Christian. How you Everything you? is just so. How do you it's talk like when your tongue is like mostly out, out of your, your mouth? mouth? Yeah. Yeah. She sings like, like that too. That's what's wild. Until she gets to certain notes. Until she like she has, has to, to yeah. 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 Really yeah. Which is yeah. really, I like that choice that she's got her little Barbie voice, but then like I do too. when like, passion overtakes yeah. her, suddenly her yeah. voice. Because I, I like what it says about this character that she has so constrained herself mm-hmm. yeah. um, and made herself be a specific way that she thinks is the best way to get by in the world. And But in moments of passion, what comes out is so much bigger than what she is allowing herself to be. Like, I just, I think it's a brilliant performance choice. And then, I mean, she had five years to hone it yeah. <laughs> off Broadway. Um, but she was also, she did get a Tony nomination. She was in the revival of the Three Penny Opera and got a Tony nomination. So she's been on stage too, but yeah, this, this, this and then. for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a great interview with her. Uh, uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's with Broadway.com. And uh, this is right before the Blu-ray release, which is the first time they actually released the director's cut. Well, they thought they lost it. Yeah. They thought they had lost the they, entire they had, ending. Yeah, like they, well, they they re-released a DVD version, like you you know a few years oh, prior. I to remember the because it was briefly on sale, and all of my friends and I were like, "Holy shit, it's got the ending!" And then it was just gone. Yeah, well, because like, they pulled what, it. Yeah, they they released it not realizing they had included the work print of the director's ending, so it was literally just black and white, no sound. Like it wasn't the real like the one that we watched tonight. Yeah. It was just like. What, what they what they thought was all that was left of it, and they were like, oh, wait, we didn't mean to release that, so they pulled it from the shelves, and then 2012, when they released the Blu-ray, they actually went back and, like, reworked. From, well, was, from, it, like, was it Geffen who had the tapes? I think it was Warner Brothers. I don't, I don't know who had them, but I someone think... found, like, color print of the of it, and then went back because and, Because like, they had, oh, that was it, they'd given... It, basically. They'd given certain members of the, the crew, like, the work print on VHS uh, for them to check it, them, yeah. And that's how it survived. And then somebody found it and was like, oh, hey, look what I have. I have, because they, they did two previews. Um, I forget where the first one was, but the second was in L.A. Because after the first one went so disastrously bad, uh, Frank Oz was like, um, fuck, this, fuck this town. I want to try it in L.A. If L.A. hates it, then I'll believe it. Yeah. And L.A. hated it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we got we to gotta fix this. Um, Seems opposite. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> Like New York. Yeah, so this interview, and we'll we can post a link to it yeah. in, in our episode notes. But uh, it's really great because she tells us. So a couple of things out of that actually is the stuffed dog that she's holding. Uh, Frank Oz actually made that for her Aww. to look like That's her cool. Ellen Green's dog. Oh. And so then I don't know if it's actually her dog or just another one that looks like it. That because oh, in there it looks like. The same dog, right? Like the, the stuffed animal looks like the dog that you see in like her fantasy of somewhere that's green. Nestled, oh nestled, nestled in between the kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but then she also tells this really great story about how they were doing rehearsal and uh, they kept hearing this noise on like the sound guys were like, "There's this noise and we can't figure out what it is," and it's just like they're checking everywhere to try to find what this noise is. And it was her mic because everything was so pushed up that like her boobs were basically rubbing the mic <laughs> over and over. And she's she's like all the guys, and she specifically says there were a lot of men, and they were all trying to figure out where this noise was. And then one of them had to come find me and be like, "So here's the thing." <laughs> <laughs> Um, your boobs are talking. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need your boobs to stop muttering into the microphone. Right. I feel like I would have known what that sound was. Well, yeah, so like, I feel like a female sound technician would have been like, yeah, um, it's the boobs. Don't put the mic in her cleavage. Are you an idiot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's just going to be a lot of rustling. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be like singing in the rain all over again. Right. I'm glad that Frank Oz was such a big proponent for her to be in the film, though, because it almost didn't happen. Well, yeah, they were talking about, um, yeah. what did I read? They were talking Cindy about... Cindy Lauper t- turned Cindy it down. And then Ooh. they were like, maybe Barbara Streisand, until finally Frank Oz is like, Ellen Green's been doing the role for five fucking years. She's perfect. <laughs> like, nobody else can do it like she can. Just put her on screen. And she's she's everything you want. Oh, yeah, and she's, she's perfect. And she's... She does transition well to film too, because not yes. every not every stage performer can make that transition, and she does a great job. And I just love watching her her face. She gets so excited, and yeah. like when and and um and it's and her physicality is so good because it's it's very controlled and micro. Like as she and Seymour are slowly leaning in about going shopping, and then he's like, "What about tonight?" And she just. It's not huge. She just takes that breath back. Yeah. Oh, I have a date. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Ah, I like her so much. <laughs> we even let Caitlin talk nearly enough. You should talk. <laughs> right on the spot. No pressure at all. Uh, yeah. I'll tell, in when I have something yeah, to say. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, like, what, uh, I guess, like, what you really like about it. Like, what kind of what your impressions were. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I already said that a little bit. Um, no, I, I, I really enjoy it. I'm kind of, I'm really surprised that this one has like gone under the radar for me. I guess, um, because it does have me written all over it. Like, I love musicals. I love like this kind of horror. I guess people die. Yeah. Um, there's an know, alien plant in the world. Yeah, like I, it's, yeah, it's a horror comedy yeah, for sure. Yeah, like that's. That's my based on a Roger Corman movie. Yeah, yeah it's basically <laughs> the thing, guys. Or he specifically says he's, he's not the thing, and you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and the 
creature. He's kind of the invasion, it might be the, it's sort of like the invasion of the body snatchers. Yes. He is snatching bodies, he's just not replicating <laughs> them, he's reason. just snacking on them. Invasion of the body snackers! Raspberries! <laughs> I said it. Should have called you for the tagline. <laughs> Alright, I'm brilliant. Well, so, uh, so, I mean, we talked earlier, and I, we, I think we should share the, uh, the whole Facebook thread. Yes. Uh, oh, what number do you think I should find? No, first we would. Okay. Yeah, so, let's explain yeah. what, what the thing is, and then we'll. So, Jimmy found a picture of two dogs. <laughs> two golden retrievers. I need one of you to send me the picture so I can put it in the show yes. notes. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to take a screenshot of the whole thread with all the comments, but <laughs> yeah, that too. Yes, yeah, two dogs. Uh, one is dressed as Seymour. The other is dressed as Audrey too. And she posted it to me, asking, saying that. I, both me and our dog should dress up like that for Halloween and that the rest of us could figure out either the chorus or whoever to go as a group costume. But Caitlin said that had, having never seen it, she couldn't decide, she couldn't make a decision as to who she would dress up as until she like, saw it. like lock down a character. So, who, so having seen it now, who, who would you be drawn to? Well, I'm drawn to a lot because <laughs> I do really love uh, like the... I guess chorus girls. I love all their outfits. They're incredible. But I also feel like you can't do that alone. And I feel like a white girl probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, like I love it. I love it. Like Jenny was like, the three of us, like Wendy and, yeah. and Caitlin and me, and I was like, oh, no, we're yeah. not going to be three black women. Yeah. Like, I don't feel okay with that. I am not a black woman, but I am here for the sparkly purple dress, oh, sparkly purple I shoes, wear, and the, yeah, the velvet purple right. gloves. I would wear every single thing that they wear in that movie. Oh my gosh, uh, sure. Um, but, okay, so I always, um, uh, for those of you who don't know me in La La Land, um, I'm an Alamo Draft House host, and so when I watch a movie... I'm always thinking of like, oh, what would I dress up as when I hosted it? Um, and uh, I think I'd do Audrey. I think I'd get like a a, a cincher because <laughs> well, whatever. We don't have to be together. I want to um, make you. I want to make you the spermy, not cow dress. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's ink block. I'm like, I'm sorry, it looks like a cow, but you're like, it's it not does look cow. Like cow I thought it was. I always. I've seen this movie so many times that every time she shows up in it. There's two things that escape me. One is that I think it's cow print and it's not. And the other is I forget that she has that, like, uh, she that. calls it a cast, but, but it's, it's really. A yeah. It's a sling that she's made out of. Like, <laughs> it's so hilarious. It's like spooky cloth. It's like yeah. that, like. It's, it's, so like, like, it's, yeah. it's like Halloween decorations. It's like fucking tissue paper. And yeah. she's like, oh, look, we need a sling. Oh, so, gosh. But it's a sexy sling. You know? So when I, I said I have somebody in mind yeah. uh, that I think you would be, and Jenny texted me and was like, Actually, I had a second one. Oh. Do it. I just thought of it. Um, the dentist. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. That's who Jenny texted yeah. me, and I was like, that's who I was thinking. Yeah. And then when he showed up on screen, Benny leaned over to me, and he was like, is that who you were thinking? I was like, of course Caitlin's going to be the dentist. I do. I'm sorry, doctor. I'm sorry, my tongue isn't out enough. Yeah. I gotta get my that's tongue. That. I'm sorry. It's really doctor. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, for an Alamo hosting thing, it would be, I don't know, it, it would be a toss up because I'd want to do it well. And it would be cool to be Audrey and get, like, a cincher so my waist is super tiny because her waist is like, like you'd like to be a bully, as big so. around as my thigh. <laughs> I love going in drag. Like, that's what I always do. I always 
I like if if it's a possibility, if that <laughs> if that is in there at all, that's what my choice is gonna be, like nine times out of ten. Um, and I do love it, and I would love to just be an asshole, and, like <laughs> like slap people in the face. I said be a bully. Like, yeah, <laughs> just like push people out of the way. Like, yeah. <laughs> push the nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Head off the dog. Because oh, you did you, the other movie I asked you about, I thought, uh, I realized after I asked you, you did a party for that, right? From Moulin Rouge, Rouge, yeah. And you went as Siedler. Yeah. <laughs> What's so funny that you're here? Great. I have made both costumes for both of those experiences yeah. <laughs> because uh, in Minnesota, I have friends who do the sexy, sexy Halloween party, where the idea is that you show up in a sexy version of a costume that should never be oh sexy. Oh, my God. My sister loves that. So, oh like, like other <laughs> wins that some of my friends have produced have been, like, Mr. Rogers and Mr. McFeely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, it was hilarious. Also, Winnie the Pooh and his honeypot. Oh. Um, that was brilliant. But Chris, my husband, and I went one year as uh, Seymour and Audrey, too. And so he had, like, cut off booty shorts and like but like with a little like sweater vest and I made like a tight skirt and like a super low cut green that I put teeth in the V nice. and then like tight leaves around yeah. around the skirt and it was like I'm, I'm sexy Audrey too and people were like you are sexy and Audrey too and then one year I, one year I did dress up at we did, we did a whole thing where we did Can Can Girls from Moulin Rouge I was just saying, I've been like, seriously, I'm just sitting here. I've been, oh, I've made that costume and I've made that costume. But anyway. Etc., etc., etc. So, um, so Rick Moranis, mm-hmm. like, uh, and we've already said he's such an adorable little nugget. And I'm going to say this I love his voice. And I'm I do too. I, I, am, I am somebody who bitches about untrained singers. I honestly was very hesitant to bring this up because I also love his voice. And I was like, Wendy is going to shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> his voice, I, like, I, like I said, I listened to the, the new Broadway recording. And the guy that does it has like a more traditional musical. He's got a trained voice. Talented, trained voice. And it doesn't work for me at all. Mm-mm. I need him to be kind of not good. <laughs> well, I think it's not that he's not good. He's a good singer. Like Rick Moranis, he, he's not just hitting the notes. When I, I want to be right, clear, like right, right. you can you can hit the notes, and I'm still going to be like you're a shitty singer. Right. Um, if you can't even hit the notes, Gerard Butler. Um, <laughs> if you can't even hit the notes, oh my God, Phantom of the Barfra. Um, then like that's not even. But Rick Moranis goes beyond hitting the notes to where he's actually got some style to it, and he's yeah. got flow and. His emotion is felt, his emotion is coming through, and when he hits those notes mm-hmm. with power, it is pleasing to the ear. Like right. it's, it's not just on pitch, but there's there's a timbre and a warmth to it. But it is still got an unstudied quality to it that it and sounds it still has natural. That Rick Moranis sound. Yeah. It, it sounds <laughs> natural and it sounds like a nerd, but like not like somebody putting on a nerd. Right, voice. right, right. It sounds like just a guy, just a just natural. A nerd. I agree, and it it's. <laughs> Through. It works perfectly. I would, actually, I would love to know if he was actually how much training he had vocally. Right. Like, right. was he a natural talent? Some people truly are. Um, had he maybe had training earlier, but like just you know, he wasn't ever going to be a great singer, but he was trained enough to be decent. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to know because 
I love his voice in this. I'm sure he at least did like. I'm sure he at least did like training for. Oh yeah, the I'm film. sure that I'm sure they. Could but I wouldn't it. be surprised if he did any kind of drama training. That voice training would be part of that. Yeah, I mean. I, at some point, I, I, Jenny had mentioned it when she was doing some reading earlier today or recently that at some point in his career he also like recorded and produced a country album. What? So like. Pull that up right now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I've never I've never heard it. I mean, that's just a thing I know exists somewhere, but apparently it's not like I this is not his only. I didn't know that either. I was, I was lamenting like, like I'm gonna call me Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he sings them as Lewis Tully. So we'll have to find that and, and listen to it. But um, <laughs> we do need to. Like as I was lamenting, I really wish he'd done more musicals. But yeah. of course, as most. Any movie fan would know. Um, not that's going to sound really judgy that you didn't know if you don't know. But and I didn't mean it that way. That's but what we're here well, for, I'm just going to lean in. I'm just going to be judgy. Um, it's like kind of day for me. But you get your own movie podcast. You um, but Rick Moranis uh, basically gave up his acting crew when his wife tragically died, so that he could raise his kids. And then in interviews, what he has said is, "I realized I didn't actually like being in movies. It's really frustrating." Yeah. So I don't need to go back. So I don't. He, he does only does voice acting. Now, he does yeah. voice acting because, well, in every role he rewrites it because he was primarily a writer. Yeah. He was like he started with in like. Well, he had a there was a really great line in something I read. I, I don't remember the. I'm idea. a guy who comes out of comedy, and my impetus was always to rewrite the line to make it funnier, not to try to make somebody else's precious words work. Yes, that's what it was, and I was, I, I knew you had it. Because <laughs> I read that too, and I was like, yeah. that's for yeah, somebody's precious words, because that's what you're dealing with with somebody who else who's written it is like, no, I really no, I wrote it this way for a reason. Yeah, but it's better when I do it this way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because well, especially especially coming someone that came out of comedy like he did, that just like. Has that instinct. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, knowing a couple of people who are writers, like, you write it, but then a good writer rewrites it for the person who actually plays the role. Right. Because whatever it is you wrote, once the person starts inhabiting it, you hear their voice and you go, oh, it should, you would say it this way. The character that you are playing. Right. The character that was in my head was different. Now that you're playing the character, they would say it this way. Yes, you should change the line because it will suit you better this way. A good writer will so do that. I was looking it up. He actually has more than one album. Wicked. Oh, my God. The first one was 2006, and it's called The Agoraphobic Cowboy. These are kind of recent. Yeah. yeah, I was not excited. Guys, guys, I am so excited right now. Yeah. Here, but so I have a frisson of excitement. So there's another one from 2013 that's called oh. My Mother's Brisket and Other Love Songs. <laughs> oh my I God. love this like something my Rick Moranis, I love you. <laughs> so, the agoraphobic cowboy has songs like Nine More Gallons, It's the Champagne Talking, <laughs> I Ain't Going Nowhere. Oh, so buco. <laughs> so I'm going to listen to this and we'll talk about it oh, next time. Oh, I'm exactly. Well, this is going to be a callback episode. These I'm albums are on Spotify, so you can find them like, easily. Seriously, we're here, we're here to plug for you, Rick Myers. <laughs> that's uh, incredible news. I love it. So one of the, talking about how great he is in this and, and how much somebody else can't really, it's the same thing with, with um, Ellen, you know, with Ellen Green, that she has that role to me. 
I've seen this movie so many times that like those two are the leads and it's hard for me to imagine anybody else in them. But I did read that for the US tour, Anthony Rapp. Right. I read that too. And I'm so perplexed by this because like, I think he'd be amazing, but like, I don't know that I could, I worry that it would be him trying to do that version of the character. Let's take the guy who got famous for doing Rent and make him Seymour? Yeah. What? Right, that's Anthony Rapp. I'm remembering yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The same guy, yeah. Yeah. What the? Yeah, like, yeah. I read that too, and I was just like, I think you'd be great. What? <laughs> like, I, like, I'm fascinated by this. Be, this is another reason why I get so bitter that Broadway doesn't record itself. Yeah, right. Because of, well, we want you to pay a ticket to see it live. Yes, but... Can you archive it for later? Because yeah, yeah I mean, like a moratorium. Because I absolutely want to know what Anthony Rapp did with this role. Yeah, yeah. and then not just the original cast. I like hearing about the people who step into roles, and I'm like, for for example, Wicked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that show. Medina Menzel was the original. Um, mm-hmm. Was the original Alphaba. Well, she was not any longer, but she was married to Tay Diggs. Mm-hmm. Now it was actually um, Norbert. Norbert Leo Butts, I'm pretty sure, was the one who originated the role of Fierro in the role, which is the love interest. Oh, that's a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> right? Norbert Leo Butts. Like, that's a name you lean into. Like, that's my fucking name. Yeah. I'm going to own it. Um, <laughs> You're going to say all three of them every time. So Fierro, which is the love interest, right? Uh-huh. At one point in the run, when, when uh, Adina was still in the run, for some reason, Norbert had to step out. And so for, two weeks, step for two weeks, for two weeks, Tay Diggs, her husband, stepped into the role, and I'm like, I would give, I would give so much to see what that was like, because I bet the love song and the love song that is in the show is kind of hot already. Mm-hmm. I bet it was hot. <laughs> oh my god, oh, Tay Diggs. I'm also hot. Mm-hmm. Tay, Tay Diggity. That's what his name is. <laughs> Tay Diggity. Etc. 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 So, um, briefly, uh, I need to talk about Ashman. Yes. Rest in peace. So this is this is the first project that Mencken and Ashman ever collaborated on. Okay. And what I also found out, Mencken is Mencken writes the music. Ashman was the lyricist. Ashman is the one who died of AIDS. Um, Ashman is the like. Don't get me wrong. I think Mencken's a great, great composer, but he has never found anybody as clever as. Ashman was. Not until Lin-Manuel Miranda did I hear a line that made me just stand up and applaud for just like, fuck, that was clever as shit. Um, Ashman actually wrote the play and directed it off Broadway. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I knew he wrote it. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he he not just wrote the lyrics. He wrote the book of the play as well. And so he has, he won a Tony posthumously for the revival musical because he wrote the music. Also, he's he's won Tonys for the Disney shows that he wrote music for that they turned into stage Beauty versions. Newsies. Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Um, because. But Newsies, though. It I mean, was, at least the stage version of Newsies was good. So and then. <laughs> but uh, and I the love Little it. Mermaid. I mean, yeah. The Little Let's see. He did the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin are the three that he wrote with Mencken. And he died before Aladdin came out. It was actually two days after winning the Oscar for Under the Sea from Little Mermaid 
that he told Macon that he had AIDS, that he had AIDS. Bit by bit, putting it together. So it's very sad. I still miss him because every time I, especially when you hear one of his songs that, which is a great line, you're like, oh, oh pod, how you tease. Yes. Oh pod, how you tease. Yeah. I've, that always slays me. It's so fucking clever. And then all of the lines in Mean Green Mother, just, yeah. he's just, that's just him showing off. Like, right. How many ways can I say this? How many times can I rhyme this? Look at what, look at what else I can do. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And also that, and then you, you pair it with Mencken's like great catchy tunes. You're just like, oh, oh. Yeah, this soundtrack, I mean, the, the music in this is like, I saw this for the first time when I was just learning how to play the bass. <laughs> and I taught myself all of the music from this movie just so that I could like play along and practice because the bass lines are, I mean, the whole, all of it's great, but I just love how prominently the bass is like mm-hmm. figures into every oh, song. Well, yeah, but, because they're riffing on, you know, all the great Motown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, now, did you, 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 I know you guys would have read the same things I did, how they filmed the plant. Yeah. Um, so the the puppeteers, which by the way, how many did it? I wrote it down. It was like a lot. <laughs> sixty in the final stage of the growth. The biggest puppet. It took sixty technicians to run that fucking puppet. I mean, it's the size of a building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the puppeteers were getting really great movement, but it was slower than what they wanted, so it didn't look realistic. And as they were trying to figure solve the problem. When they quickly were rewinding to watch it again, they're like, wait, when it's fast, it looks good. Wait. So they ran it forward fast, and they're like, oh, my God, that looks great. So they actually filmed at, slowed it down to like 12 to 16 frames per second to film it. So they were basically filming in Mm slow-mo so that when they ran it at full speed, the plant would move faster and it would have more fluidity, which means that any time an actor is in the scene – and I was watching just they're like, just, like yeah. they're just having to like act in motion. <laughs> I wish I had known this before we watched it. I have to watch it again. That's like, gonna hurt it's me. Bad. Like so I'm watching Rick Moranis and I'm just like, damn you're good, because I don't every once yeah, in a while I can tell. tell that the lips are a little over enunciating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But then I'm like so you had to double that? This is really good sound mixing. Shit. Like, and how clever. What a good solution. And then I'm watching the plant going, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're speeding it up so it can move faster. That's so cool. Yeah. I learned something. And then I was watching it like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in doing research for this uh, ahead of time, that's, that's when I read it. But like today was the first time I ever realized that. And I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times. Yeah, well, see, you can always learn something yeah. new. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't call out Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yoda. Yoda directed the movie. Hey, yo. Long time. When he, was, like, he, was, like, he was so upset so. that, um, you know, when it when the original cut bombed and they had to go back and reshoot, he was more upset that all of, like, his his team's hard work, like, he, you know, he spent all that time and money with his, with his team building the puppets and doing the whole ending scene with them taking over the world. And then they were like, oh, well, we have to scrap that. Sorry, oh, that's yeah. like he was more heartbroken that his team didn't get to show off all the hard work that they'd done. Not that he didn't get to like take well, credit for it, you know. Um, but, like, there's a really great biography about Jim Henson that I read, um, and because it's about Jim Henson, it's about Frank Oz. And right. So I highly recommend <laughs> I mean, it's, it. 
Kermit Fozzie. Like. <laughs> like, I highly recommend it. Frank Oz is a really interesting personality. There was something, if I'm remembering right in the biography, talking about when he met Frank Oz, he had never met somebody who was such a natural puppeteer who did not want to be a puppeteer. He came from two puppeteers. His parents were both puppeteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a natural at it. He was he, gifted as fuck. He's the best he'd ever seen. And Frank Oz was like, well, I mean, I guess I could do it. Yeah. I was like, dude, you're so good at it. Well, okay, fine. They talk about that a little bit on some of the behind-the-scenes uh, features in The Dark Crystal. Yeah. Like, you get both of them on camera, kind of having that same conversation. <laughs> I will always love, always love. Frank Oz singing Never Before as Miss Piggy. Like, <laughs> right, we've talked about that There's something that's... about, I picture him in, in, the booth. in the booth and being like, you want, Jim, you motherfucker. What? No, sing it. I can't hit that note. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> And, and, he, you, and you hear it, he just goes for it with gusto. And I'm like, I would love to. I wish they had videotaped him recording. Right. But it would be glorious. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did say about um, doing the movie, um, Howard Ashman gave me the best advice of anybody ever regarding directing this kind of movie. He said, Frank, this is supposed to be stupid. <laughs> and it was the best advice. He said, my tongue was firmly in my cheek when I wrote this. And Frank Oz was like, ah, then I got it. I know yeah. what to do. I know how to make this movie. I know how to make this movie really work. Stupid. <laughs> um, and of course, because I'm me, I'm going to call out that the choreographer was, um, where is it? Well, did it get deleted? Oh, it was Pat something. But Maria. She, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. My, I put my notes on my phone and like, I think it got. Yeah, his first acting role in Thoroughly Modern Belly. We went straight into choreography for this. <laughs> No, it's a woman, but she did, she, not a whole lot of other choreography, but a lot of movie choreography, like, mm. clearly, like, staging numbers for movies where it's not a musical, I mean, this, but this there's one a was pretty sequence. light. I mean, it was great staging, and, like, I mean, in the chorus, like, it's, yeah, this their one movements is, are, it's really just wonderful. The, the trio. Yeah. Yeah, with some great shoulders. Especially when they're typing away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the typing away the one that, with the My favorite the is still the skid row where they're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> the swimming? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I was telling them as we were watching it, whenever, whenever I have that playing in my car, I'm doing the arm movements as I'm driving. <laughs> I mean, sitting at a stoplight because I'm definitely not doing it while my vehicle is in motion. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a safe driver. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody, nobody believes you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, we're, yeah, it's about that time. Yeah. One one thing I, I want to mention that I read today that I did not know before, uh, the original crew, like before Oz and Geffen signed on, Spielberg was set to executive produce and Scorsese, Scorsese. was directed. Oh. Oh. I read that too and I was like, I feel like I've seen Ooh, that. That would have been a bad idea. Like, well, they would have taken it way too seriously. Well, not only that, like, Scorsese wanted to, when he was signed on to direct, he was going to do it in 3D. It was going to be like yes. a 3D movie. Because he really wanted to do 3D. He ended up not doing a 3D movie until well, Hugo, like, 25 years later. Weirdly, but, 
I would I would even actually be on board for 3D I mean, if you totally embrace the 50s aesthetic yeah, of like but not him do I mean I can't imagine this being a Scorsese movie like, it, would, it would be way too pretty yeah and Spiel, Spielberg too like I feel like both of them you would make it too sparkly like yeah. it would have taken it too yeah. seriously. So that was just, that was something I didn't know. It was just like oh, and you know, Spielberg would have done the happy ending, like yeah. not even. There would never like even. oh, we can't have sadness. Yeah. There's no sadness. He would have replaced all the plants with like walkie talkies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm doing oh, an no. ET deep cut joke. <laughs> like years later, he'd be like, I regret the plants eating the world. Let's make them walkie talkies. Raspberries. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, what, oh shit, what so, was I going to say? Uh, I, one other thing I was going to add, because I love looking up who was in various productions, is that in, when they first launched the revival, um, it was right before he died, but the narrator was Robert Stack. Yes, I saw that! From Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is wow. amazing. Yeah. Uh, he has like three lines and he's just going to come out and save them and I would be happy, so happy to hear that. <laughs> That's what I want to talk about. I wanted to touch on and there's another female in the room to talk about it. Like, how do we feel about Audrey as a character? Like, I, I don't even, it doesn't even bother me, but is that because of nostalgia and familiarity? Or, um, I actually think it's an interesting um, view of, like, a battered woman, because, like, it's, you know, people are saying, like, oh, what are you doing? He's a, he's a bum, like, why are you still with him? And it's, like, that's not what she needs. She doesn't need for you to tell her what, like, she should leave him. It's not as easy as all that, and I don't know. I think it's actually, like, a really, like, I'm not saying, like, positive representation of women, but I think it's, like, an accurate and weirdly, like, yeah, representation of of an abused woman. There is something nice about, like, no, a woman is being victimized on screen, and that gets super tiresome, but in this case, there's, like you said, it's accurate yeah. what it's like to be in a beauty. And she's also, she's also saying, like, oh, I don't deserve anybody like Seymour. Like, he's too good. I don't, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. That's why I deserve, like, yeah, well, I know, but, like, to her, he's yeah. this, like, perfect, you know, nice guy that she doesn't think that she deserves. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I think that that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, um, having been in a, not a physically abusive relationship, an emotionally abusive relationship, <laughs> there's no getting out of it until the person finally yeah. can get out of it. All friends can do is be supportive. Yeah. Right? Because and, yeah, and I've it, been, it takes the person working through whatever it is to, yeah. to, to finally figure out why. And they don't need you to be like, what are you doing? Why are you still with him? They need you to just. Well, because what happens is you just stop talking to those yeah. friends. Right. Or you, especially, or you hide. If, especially if, like, the man finds out that they're doing this, and then that can, like, cause mm-hmm. him to be like, well, you can't hang out with them anymore. Yeah. And so, that can start a whole thing. So I, It's yeah. an accurate representation, so I kind of like it. And there's something rather cathartic about the fact that the abusive person gets eaten. Yeah. Right. So I like I'm really kind of on board with it. I yeah. think. I mean, it's rough. Like, it's hard to watch. I mean, like, the silhouette of him hitting her is really dark and um, scary, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I think it, like, it gives her some depth and some 
And I mean, Timur is more interesting. I, and, I, and I don't mind that Timur is the nice guy because he's not doing the nice guy-isms. He's not yeah, like, I'm right here, why don't you love me? He's like, I like you, but I understand. It's like... Oh, yeah, he's pining for her and, and is kind of too dopey to really know, even know what, what to do about anything well, in his life. Well, and he's not doing the thing that the, the toxic nice guy right. does, which is like... Yeah. Not the I'm capital being, N, capital G, nice guy. Yeah, or, like, yeah. I'm putting in nice tokens. Why aren't you fucking me yet? Yeah. Yeah, he's just... He he likes her, but he also is like, you're with somebody else, and I get that. He doesn't have, like, the, the idea that he's entitled to her because he's nice. Yeah, right. that's it. Yeah. Nicely yeah. phrased. Yeah. Just because I'm nice to you doesn't mean I get to have you. Yeah, just, but she might not be into you. So. He's assuming she's not like, <laughs> no, who'd want me? Yeah. Oh, you're so nice. Yeah. But they are so sweet and innocent. I think that's why you can overlook the fact that they're kind of... That she like, uh, has no agency at all. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, she's... I mean, you could do some, like, deep shit on her. Yeah. <laughs> what has happened in this poor woman's life to right. where this is, yeah. this, these are the choices that you've made. But this is a, this is Little Shop of Horrors, and it's a goofy satire of right. 1950s. Yeah. Right. So well, let's not deconstruct it too hard other than to say, like, yeah, but if you really look at it, you're like, mm, yeah, she doesn't have any agency because that's what happens when you're a poor woman living, yeah, living alone in a bad area that's, that's not an uncommon result. Um, but they're both so sweet and innocent and good-hearted. Dumb. Right. Yeah. Dumb. But I like when she throws the glitter on the plant. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah. I... Their funeral. <laughs> guys, when I die, I want somebody to bring that arrangement to my funeral. I just yeah. want... I'll make it myself. Like a, a vase glitter with a black... It has a black yeah. ribbon on it. Lily is just sort of stuck in it's there. Like six with, lilies, yeah. like they're just kind of like random. And then glitter on the lilies, just yes, like fragrant. Whoever brings them in will be wearing those sparkly dresses with yeah. the velvet. Oh gloves. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I want to. I want to be buried in that. My burial. I want to get a close up and you can see that those gloves oh, are velvet. Yeah. And yeah. I the shoes walk across and they're glitter. Oh, that oh, whole man. see, we we commented on it when we were watching it, but that whole sequence is shot so great with them just with the chorus just being Fading in the background. Yeah, like, um, well, they're, they're, never, they're never in full light. Like exactly. all I want to do is see that. They're spectrum. always like, in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite of the costumes, yeah. and well, all their costumes are the, great. The sequin, the the glitter, the sequence little literally like appears out of the shadow yeah. and that's all you're seeing is their outline like there are so many shots in this that I'm like Frank Oz was he was just fucking knocking it out of the park right. like at the end of Skid Row where they're all looking up and everybody except Audrey yeah. and Seymour looks down on the final beat it's great it's just it's a beautiful shot there's great shot like he did, his shot composition is so great of course, there's when the plant is waving from the window from <laughs> yeah. across the street. It's such a good guy. It's like it's so great. There's so many and because he's he comes from such a great comedic background, working with Jim Henson and the Muppets. Like he he's got a nice light light touch on the comedy. Like it's funny without like like being heavy handed. Oh man, I really love the dentist scene where it's like the shot of inside, inside the, the mouth. mouth. It's yeah. so cool and gross, but cool. I love it. <laughs> Such a fun idea. Much you can, if you want to boil down this movie into just a few words, yeah. it's cool but gross. <laughs> well, yeah, by the end, the plant yeah. is so veiny 
Yeah. Well, I love like the inside of that mouth too, because it's like all blue and green and. It's different every time. Like every time it opens his mouth, it's different. Yeah, it's more developed and gross and like, like really anatomical in there in a really uncomfortable way. Yeah. But plant colors. Yeah. And there's something I'm gonna say. There's something about all the veins on the pot of the head that is very yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Somebody, I think it was Jenny said that makes. Basically, they managed to make it like both a penis and a vagina. Like, yeah, yeah. really weird. <laughs> well, and, and I commented that. Well, it's a plant. Go ahead. Right. When, yeah, it's, when it's in its resting state, the, the shape of the mouth is very smug. Yeah. Like, it also reminded me of Oogie Boogie from. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, like the, that mouth like shape, that. especially Definitely. when it's talking. Like, the, yeah, yeah, the way it kind of like ripples, yeah. I guess. Like, because like, the audience can't see me doing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what's the word? For well, we always talk about shoulder movements on this yeah. podcast. Like, anybody's going to know what the hell we're talking about. Just watch the movie and you'll see the shoulders. Yeah. I promise you we do them every time we watch that. <laughs> yeah, there's some shoulders there. Um, so, yeah, like, and then they get Levi Stubbs to voice the plant, which is why when you do it live, you just go with a completely different voice call. You like, have yeah. to. Like, you don't can't you, ever... Don't try. It's not going to be fucking Levi Stubbs, so don't even try. Make it a woman. Yeah. <laughs> make, make it a, make it a big black woman. Let's be Collins. That would be really awesome, actually. Or, awesome. Um, oh, I, I, have a, I have a concept in my head. Like, I want, like, a really bright female belter. Like, make, like, a Dina Menzel do it. Like, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> or, like... Doing Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen, yes, that's exactly what my brain was. Kristen Chenoweth doing it would be amazing. Because she'd sound so cute while she was saying, I'm a mean green mother. Yeah. yeah. With a slight twang. Right. Just a slight Texas twang. All right, favorite uh, musical numbers? Uh, hang on, you're going to have to give me a sec. I'll go last. You guys go. Because <laughs> you know it better than I do. I'm going to go. Because I'm going to say all of them. So y'all, yeah. <laughs> y'all go. Okay, well, I mean, I think for different reasons. I really like Supper Time um, for the music more than, I mean, again, because it was one of the first songs I, I taught myself to play, and it features so it features the bass so heavily. Well, and the visual of it is Right, so but I mean, I just good. love, like, the, the way, you know, I just love the composition of it. And, and it's so creepy. It's truly yeah. horrifying. It really uh, is. That's yeah. definitely one of, if not my, all, my favorite, for sure, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to pick. They're all so good. I really like uh, "Some Fun Now." That's one of the ones they they changed from the original. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically just changed the music and added some lyrics. It was called like I forget what it was. It, it was called something different in the original stage production. They just made it more calypso for for the movie. And um, it's short. Yeah. Um, but again, I, mean, I just love the music on that one. Uh, uh, so those are probably my favorites. You never know. I think that was. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's. So let's go through them. There's uh, Little Shop, the titular song. There's Skid Row, um, uh, Grow for Me. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't. Oh, oh, please. Damn <laughs> roses. Damn thorns. Um, so well, there's, there's the total eclipse. Yeah. There's. Um, yeah, total eclipse of the sun. What is the uh, name of it? Shaboom? It's not a... It's, I think it's just called the dupe. Like, da the dupe. It's I mean, called I mean, the dupe. I was like, it's yeah. right here. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's Shaboom. <laughs> so that's before Grow For Me. Da yeah. Yeah. 
Because I love that because I like how their little backups change uh, every time. Yeah. There's this Chinese man. Chain, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have anything for me that day. Nope. Dad. <laughs> and then they cut to the the four guys on the corner. Uh, doing their doo-wop. Yeah. And then he like kind of stands with them for a second. Oh, like so I'm great. being so cool. <laughs> um, there's Dadu. Yeah. There's Dentist. Feed Me. Feed Me is super good. That's a good one too, yeah. Um, Suddenly Seymour, of course. Supper time. Somewhere that's green. We skip, Somewhere that's green. Yeah, we just get on. The Meek Shall Inherit. Of course, Mean Green Mother. I think I'm going to go with Feed Me because it is a fucked up seduction song. <laughs> it is, right? That's a, like every time I watch it, I'm like, is he going to fucking play it? It's fucked up. Like the, the, I also the just love hearing uh, Rick Moranis sing Harley Machine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I like a Harley Machine. <laughs> and the very fact you said it like that means no. That's yeah. the one that he's like convincing him yeah. to yes. get him. I have so many strong uh-huh. reservations. Should I, I go like, and perform song. mutilation? Yeah, he's grabbing the knife. <laughs> so good. Uh, and I love the back. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's girl. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like that song a lot. I like the harmonies at the end. Those are fun. Um, I like Skip Row a lot. That was a really yeah. fun, like, it's a great way to start. opening I mean, number. After the initial like, title yeah. sequence, it's a great way. It's yeah, a great song like, to start with. You get, like, the whole... Uh, Set in there, like you know, walk around seeing all the weird bugs and stuff. That's fun. Everybody's like really into it. There's the <laughs> one guy, guy that's just like, down, skin. And he makes the most of he, it. He like comes yeah. at the camera too. He's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's great because they cut him off before he actually gets to the same skin. Yeah. Down, <laughs> and he's, uh, so he's not on the recorded soundtrack. Uh, that. Like, there's differences, obviously, between the recorded soundtrack and what's in the movie, and that's not in it. So I've listened to the soundtrack so many times <laughs> that up until, like, about two watches ago, it would throw me off every time. And this guy <laughs> would just, like, pop up, and he's like, down, I'm scared. And you're like, whoa, where the fuck is this guy coming from? <laughs> Who are you, dude? Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to agree with Caitlin. That one is, Skid Row is my favorite. It's the one, that's the mo- to me, it's the most re-listenable. Like, it's the one that I listen to the most. See, um, shot though. Like, just... It's great. Again, I love any song with Ellen Green. Suddenly Seymour's great. Somewhere That's Green, I absolutely love... I like the song, okay. I love what's happening on screen. Yeah, it is really cool. She's so good as she's, like, dancing around the house... And they just open the door, and there's children inside. And they're like, ha And they close the door again. <laughs> and it's so it's so good. But uh, but yeah, I, I always come back to Skid Row. That's my I think that's my favorite one um, because you get kind of the greatness of everybody. Like, cause you get Rick Moranis, you get you get Ellen Green, you get the chorus, you get like all the randos on the street. Like you just get everybody in it, and that's I think that's what I really love about it. Plus, it's just a really catchy song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my brain also when I watch a musical, I'm always like, "Ooh, what can I do for karaoke?" And that's like the least musical-y of them because musicals, like songs for musicals, are hard to do because there's like a lot of dialogue a lot of times or like pieces of 
uh, like long instrumentals or whatever, where there'd be like a dance number or something. So they're kind of they don't really translate to karaoke that well, uh, but I think Skid Row would. It'd be a fun one. I think about dance and stuff. I bet Grow for Me would translate. Yeah. I thought about yeah. that too. Uh, uh, uh. I thought about that one too. And then you could say, "Damn roses, damn roses, <laughs> thorns." <laughs> um, I think dentists would be really fun too. Dentist is kind of in like, like a sweet one. transvestite sort of way, <laughs> which is one of my go-tos. I love that. <laughs> and that's one though that is uh, on the new Broadway re- uh, recording. I wasn't sure how I would feel about it because Steve Martin is so. I mean, he's just doing a Steve Martin thing. I love you. But uh, the guy that plays him in the uh, that does him in the new is equally good like he's really really great he does just enough different that you're like oh he's not just doing an impression of steve martin which is what you kind of worry about when people do it's kind of like all steve martin yeah well in in the stage version the dentist gets to sing it's just the gas as he's dying yes which is when it's done well is creepy af (laughs) because he's like singing he's like oh don't mind me it's just the gas. <laughs> and like, if you wouldn't mind taking this off, the gas. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm dying. It's just the gas. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. <sighs> anyway, so that was a Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Bop, bop. You never stop the terror. Um, yeah, and it was also, by the way, a sing-along. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. random snippets. It absolutely was. Not throughout, but we, we straight up, part. I warned Caitlin when we invited her. I was like, there are going to be two, possibly three. I didn't know if you liked it as much as, <laughs> I figured you did, but like, I know Vinny loves it. I know I love it. And I was like, it's going to be at least the two of us singing along. <laughs> well, and yeah. Wendy sings along with everything we watch. So like, <laughs> Whether I know the music or not. <laughs> yeah. If I were invited to the Malamar screening, it would be a similar issue. But right. I'd also be mouthing all the words. Because I know that movie friends back. <laughs> You're allowed to come only if you wear your costume. <laughs> well, I rented it, so it's at... Uh, well, you should get all right, so this was A Real Education, the musical, and we want to make sure you know that you can find our podcast on iTunes and Blueberry and Google Play, and you can also find our website at... Website is realeducationmusical.com. Okay, and we're on Facebook at Real Education, the musical, and on Twitter at... Real Edu Musical, so R-E-E-L-E-D-U Musical. And new episodes are dropped. Isn't that, yeah, so the website is also realedumusical.com. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was wrong. Thanks for checking yeah. it out. Yeah, okay. good. I was like, I'm going to pull this up real quick and make sure. Yes, it's Twitter. Twitter is realedumusical, and the website is realedumusical.com. And Facebook is a real education from musical, and we drop episodes every Tuesday. So, uh, <laughs> unless something happens, guys. Okay. This will be in like three months now. We won't even remember. Guys, that. I'm still so traumatized. Stop. Um, so, yeah. Uh, join us next week as we do something that we haven't decided on yet. And You'll find out next week when we do. When we do. It'll be great. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining us. Thank you yeah, for having me. It's so much fun. Um, I am Wendy, joined as always by Mike. And <laughs> um, Feel free to like us, uh, leave a review. We'd love it if you left comments, um, letting us know what you like, giving us suggestions for other musicals that you might like for us to, to do. That would be super great. Talk to us. We'd love to hear what you have to think. 
have to think. Holy shit, it's late. <laughs> We're done. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. The music.